June 9th, 1975. Current temperature, 58 degrees. The humidity is 75%. The winds are south-southeast at 8 miles an hour. The barometer reached 30.13 inches and is rising, and the THI is a very comfortable 55. These top stories in the news at this hour. President pledges there will be no cover-up on the CIA probe. Rockefeller Commission report to be released to the public tomorrow. New Jersey State Assembly Committee releases a bill to restore the death penalty. Oil-producing countries are readying a big price boost. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710, the talk of New York. And here's Gene Shepard. You like that, don't you? Yeah. You know, you don't mind if I. If, hello, hello. Okay. You don't mind, do you, if I uh, indulge myself here for a minute? So, if you will, please. Uh, one, two, a three, a four. Beep, 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 beep,
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just enough to clear the sinuses, that's all. It says on the box, do not overdose, do not overdose. Hey, we'd like to salute the the uh, school down in uh, down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Did you hear that, uh, what happened down there? It says crime, of course, marches on. And I've had the feeling that the crimes are so often uh, dull and unimaginative. You know, guys will hold up a bank or they'll uh, heist a bunch of jewels or something. You know, this is over and over again. And uh, I read of a great crime, which is the kind I really like to hear about. You know, human ingenuity. Yeah, a high school down in uh, West uh, Palm Beach, Florida. Everybody came to school this morning, <laughs> you know, and somebody had cleverly and sneakily, some rotten person, had filled all the locks in the school with epoxy glue. Well, they had a two-day vacation while we're trying to... <laughs> I like that. That's the best crime I heard of since the time somebody snuck into our gym when I was in high school. And this was the night before the big sectional conference championship, basketball. And somebody snuck into the gym and filled all the basketballs with plaster of Paris. It made for some pretty heavy dribbling. Even Walt Fraser would have had trouble with one of them balls. Weighed 70 pounds apiece, you know. All right, Al, that's enough, that's enough. Hey, uh, speaking of plots, have you noticed the... I have to salute the growing trend on television uh, so that, it, you know, it's put down on our vast file of trivia so that years from now when people dig up these tapes, 5,000 years from now, they'll know what really went on. Have you noticed uh, a growing trend among television shows to have shows about firemen? Oh, there's about 25 shows now about firemen, and they all look exactly alike. There's always a scene of this red fire truck coming out of this, uh, what looks like an, a Los Angeles firehouse, which really looks a little bit like a Howard Johnson. You see, they don't look like New York firehouses in a way, you know. And, and all firemen are, are young and clean cut. You never see a fireman, you know, a fat fireman, which is what I see hanging outside of the firehouse, right, two blocks down from where I live, you know, where I hang around. Yeah, they're all big, fat, you know, they're all sitting around there eating pizzas all the time. And uh, either that or they eat heroes. And uh, they're sitting around popping the top on Schaefer cans of beer, you know, and they're all sitting around. And they're looking at the girls all day long when they walk past. And, uh, you know... And uh, you just don't see that on the uh, fire department shows on television. Oh, they're all very clean-cut looking. And they all look exactly alike. I can't tell them one from the other. I think Jack Webb must cast all firemen uh, as he's taken over the casting of all cops. You know, they all look a little bit like uh, uh, a cross between Marty Milner and a Dalmatian. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're all looking very clean-cut. <laughs> and they say things like, crime that was certainly a tough fire. You know? <laughs> and, of course, their, their, uh, their emergencies that they have are always fantastic. I mean, you know, like an entire refinery blowing up, which you see quite often, I suppose, if you live out in L.A. And, uh, but I would like to suggest a better plot, which is closer to the real truth. Uh, you know, reality, reality, friends, reality provides the basis of the great fiction of our time. Speaking of fiction, do you have one of those commercials? Please, hit the button. Yeah, I feel very elegant tonight, eh? you know, I really do. 
I guess it's because, uh, you know, watching those firemen run around there, I realize that reality is so much more exciting than television. You ought to give up TV once for about two days and just look out of the window. And you'll be amazed. It's what's happening outside there. It just cuts Adam 12 going sideways, friends. I'm telling you. Uh, here, for example, now you'll never see this on Emergency, which is a television show about firemen, you know. I have to explain that to you, Jerry, because you never watched the tube, so you don't know these various cultural objets, dart of our time. San Francisco. And if you notice, almost all television shows today are shot in San Francisco. Right. Absolutely. You can always tell. Every San Francisco show, there is the obligatory scene where the car, the car chase is very big in all TV shows today. San Francisco, San Francisco, firemen, <laughs> trainees. Now, you just wouldn't see this kind of great scene. I want you to picture it on, on uh, Emergency. You've seen Emergency, those clean little-looking guys sitting around, and uh, their great big beautiful red truck is out there. And all of a sudden, the loudspeaker, they have a lot of shots of loudspeakers saying, Squad 51, Squad 51, there is a man eating avocados at the corner of 23rd and Vine. His ears are on fire. Code 7. And they jump on. You say those all the time. <laughs> There's more shots of just loudspeakers. I don't know why you have to watch a loudspeaker say something, but that's, uh, that's known as static television. And then you see a shot taken from the outside with the doors are open, and you see... And they're rushing down the street, and there appears to be never any traffic. This is what amazes me. I've been out in L.A. and San Francisco, and if there's one thing those towns got, it's plenty of traffic, especially L.A. But these guys, you know, nothing. They just go. And if you notice also, the most wild scene can be happening on, uh, on you know, like the, 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 the Western civilization is blowing up, and this uh, young fireman is there. Uh, protecting all of us with his little, uh, he's just got uh, only one fire extinguisher, and he's fighting it, you know, and he's hanging by his hands from the burning buildings. You've seen those things? But what have you not seen in those things? That's right. There's never a giant crowd of rubberneckers standing around. They are ne There's never any crowd there. Why? I'll tell you why. You know what crowds cost on television? You know, you got to pay each one of those clunkers seventeen fifty for every three hours of standing around watching fires. Did you know that? Well, you never thought of that, huh? Oh, listen, here in New York, uh, you know, if there's a little fire happens like a, in, a, in a wastebasket, that somebody throws a cigar butt, and the next thing you know, yesterday's daily news is burning in the wastebasket. You've seen that? 4,000 people gather instantly. <laughs> At 2 in the morning, they come out of the woodwork, you know. It's fantastic. But on television, never any crowd. You see guys get shot down on the street on TV all the time. No crowd. I saw a cannon shooting it out the other day with seven guys wearing silver masks. You saw him, his car was burning, and he shoots 16 guys. They wind up by picking up the bad guys with a bulldozer. Fantastic ending. No crowd. No crowd. Now, I would go to see that if I were walking down the street, but that's, that's part of what makes television so unreal. The only thing real about life today are the commercials, which reminds me... Oh, yes, if you're a real student of television slob art these days, you cannot ignore the toupee ads, which are on every 15 minutes late at night on television. Have you seen those? Uh, yeah, it always opens up with a guy says, You will never believe that I am wearing a toupee. Like hell you wouldn't. 
Looks like the guy's wearing a purple Brillo pad on his head. You know, it reminds me. There's one guy that's got a set of hair on him there that looks a little bit like somebody out of a biblical epic. Have you seen that guy? And uh, he he always says, yes, the man of action. You cannot get up by. You can't get by today. And that's the way he talks. You can't get by today. In today's world, if you have balding or thinning hair, it is totally unacceptable. And it shows him doing all this stuff. He's a giant mess of hair. And he says, men of action, uh, have all this hair. And you see him riding a horse. He's the worst horse rider I ever saw. He is riding terrible. If you know anything about horses and how to ride, this guy's elbows are flapping. Uh, and what they did cut off the last part of the seat is when he got thrown over the fence. You know, <laughs> that was clipped off. He's a man of action. So you cannot ignore the toupee ads. They're very important today. Toops. And uh, they come in all sizes and styles. And uh, they're all advertised on television along with Preparation H and all those other good things. And uh, it makes TV viewing very exciting. You've got to watch television to see what's happening in the slob world. But uh, <laughs> you do. Oh, yes, another thing. Uh, the, the, the uniforms always fit on firemen. They, they really look great. You know, they, these tailored blue shirts and all that. Well, I keep saying to the boys when I walk past uh, Fire Station 12 or whatever it is down there, you know, these guys are all sitting out there with their sloppy-looking pants, <laughs> you know, baggy shirts. And, uh, you know, I say, you know, I'm going to go out to the coast. I mean, we're going to have to have Marty Milner and all those guys come in and straighten you up. I mean, you know, quit sitting out in front eating pizzas all the time, too. You know, that doesn't look good. And you got such a crappy-looking TV set up there. He's got this old battered television set. You can see it just on the other side of the, the other side of the truck. This old set. They all sitting there watching a ball game, and you never see that on the TV. Uh, the version of TV uh, firemen. They never watch television, which is what firemen do. Uh, you know, most uh, they'll tell you this. You know, without television, you know, they'd have to go back to pinochle. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and another thing, too, cop shows. Have you noticed how great, what fantastic Never Never Land uniforms the police have? On cop shows, boy, you talk about tailored uniforms. Wowee. But uh, uh, the average cop, you know, that walks around, he's got all his stuff sticking in his pockets, books, and he's got he's got tickets, bunches of tickets and stuff. And they all look a little like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You know, real wide-bottomed. And that's because of the stuff they have to carry, you know, the bracelets and all that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I, I, we much prefer the television version of life, except, though, I would like to suggest this is a plot. Can't you see the boys of, of emergency sitting around, see? And, uh... <laughs> all right, I'll give you the plot. Listen carefully. This actually happened. If you want to hear what really happened, San Francisco, UPI. The fireman trainees. You know, they often have a thing about the young rookie who is breaking in. Incidentally, one of the silliest shows on television is that cop show called The Rookies. There seems to be nobody else in their police department. Just these three rookies standing against <laughs> a wave of unbelievable crime. And uh, <laughs> Have you noticed that? Oh, my George, I mean, they make the life of a cop seem like one endless uh, hassle. I mean, if, if one guy's wife isn't dying of bubonic plague, which he has to go out and trap the guy that's uh, passing out the bubonic plague, you know, uh, either that or his wife is kidnapped by the head of the gang. And, uh, oh, it just gets going on and on. And it gets shot every couple of weeks. 
And they're right back there next week. No problem. Well, if you ever got shot, you know it lasts a long time, I'll tell you. But uh, we got another commercial here. I don't want to bother you with all this uh, fetching here. Yes, here it is. Here it is. Yes, it's later than you think, friends. And that's it. Uh, we've done all the commercials, so you can relax. Okay? You can turn up the radio again, too. Here we've got here a note. It says, uh, San Francisco firemen trainees... <laughs> flailed away with their brand new axes at the walls of a two-story unoccupied home in Western Edition, which is part of San Francisco, until Mrs. Levine Lettweiler arrived frantically at the scene, screaming and yelling. Mrs. We Mrs. Lettweiler screamed aloud, and I'm just quoting the, the thing here. I do not make the news. I quote it. Mrs. Lettweiler screamed that the old Victorian home, which, by the way, was not a fire. It was not even burning. Belonged to her and had been officially declared a landmark. Oh, stop! 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 She cried. What are you doing? You're chopping down my house! Stop! She says, I screamed for them to stop, but it was no use. <laughs> I continued chopping away. She said that she had purchased this home and it was now an official landmark. And, uh,. When they were called up, the fire department was called up. What the hell these guys come over and chopping down his house for? Uh, the fire department official said, well, uh, it was uh, a redevelopment uh, headquarters uh, fault. Uh, uh, we just uh, went out to the house they gave us, uh, uh, the address they gave us. It was, it was giving them guys practice on chopping down houses, <laughs> apparently. You know, that would be a great scene. These guys rush out. You see uh, Marty Milner, whoever those guys. They all look like Marty. I know it's not Marty. They all look the same. And and he's rushing out. And you know, they say, fire. Code 7, code 7, quick, go to the corner, 14th and fine. There's this house on fire. People are jumping out of the windows. Come quick, help. And they, he, whoa, they fly there. Boom, they start chopping away. It does. They're chopping. And guys are saying, quick, quick, get the pulmones, quick. Hurry, hop up. And suddenly you see this lady in the kitchen there. See, she's cooking spaghetti. And she says, what the hell? Five firemen come chopping into her kitchen. Help, your house is on fire. Quick, lady, run. Help, quick. Go on a stretcher there, quick. Give me the pull motor. Ooh, and they're screaming and yelling. And all of a sudden, it says, hey, didn't they say 14th and Vine? They're crying out loud. This is 12th and Vine. I told you not to turn right. <laughs> now, you see, this uh, this kind of... This kind of excitement happens quite often. Did you hear about the guy that had his his car parked the other day in front of a house, his own house, his own car, and it was legally parked in front of the street there, right right where he parks it every day when he comes home from work. And he comes out the next day, and his, his car is gone. So if he, naturally, what would you figure? Stolen, right. That's right. Of course, you know what your problem is. You're using logic. Can get you in trouble today. So uh, he, he, you know, he figures that the uh, car's stolen. So he calls up the police department. He says, "Hello, my car is stolen. My 1962 DeSoto, which, by the way, is what he had." <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't a 62 DeSoto; it was a 57 DeSoto. So he says, "My 57 DeSoto has been stolen." At which point the cop says, so, "What's the number?" And so he says, "Well, it's number six SJ7. It's green." And the cop says, "All right, hold on a minute, buddy." And he's Whips back and he says, We got no report of no stolen car like that. He says, Well, I am reporting it. It's stolen. A 57 DeSoto. In fact, it was the DeSoto Newport model. It was green, had white sidewalls. The guy says, All right, I'll put it down on the books, buddy. And he hung up. 
Well, a couple of days go by, and uh, you know he didn't hear any more about it. <laughs> and then it just so happened one day he is going past this junkyard, and what does he see in the junkyard but his car? Well, uh, you know, so he he, uh, he frantically tries to run around to find out who, how they got his car in the junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> and it just seems that the, just one of those mysterious things that happened. You know, they, they, they tow away derelict cars in this town, right? Or they say they do, right? Well, I saw it at 57 DeSoto, and after all, you see a 57 DeSoto. You come, you know, you, your mind adds two and two together. It has to be a derelict. <laughs> so they, they towed it out in the junkyard. And what's worse, before he could get it out of the junkyard, they made it into one of these little blocks of metal. They just threw it in the great big clamper, and bleh, boom, it's gone. Well, they gave him the block. If he wanted it, he could have the block of metal. He made it into a very tasty uh, coffee table. It's kind of nice. It's got the glass on top of it, you know, this, this soda. It's just a collector's item now. But uh, <laughs> these, these fantastic things. Well, listen, now wait a minute. Boy, don't laugh. I actually had this happen to me one day. I'm... I'm uh, uh, this this happened to me a couple of years ago. I had this apartment, right? And you would be surprised. Everybody here in New York thinks that only New York is all loused up. They think only Con Ed, uh, only Ma Bell, you know, New York. That's all, let me tell you. I'm in Cincinnati. Now, that sounds like a bucolic town, right? Well, I rented an apartment. So uh, I, I had this apartment, and uh, everything is under control. And I... I uh, called up the phone company. I said, I'd like to have a telephone. And they said, okay, that's all right. That's a reasonable request. You're a modern you know, citizen. You have to have a telephone. So I said, okay. And uh, they said, what is the address? And I told them the address. And the guy on the other end of the phone says, well, what kind of a phone do you want? I said, well, you know, I want one I, want one I can talk into. And uh, It's got a bell. It rings when somebody's calling me. That's all I wanted. And he says, no, I don't mean that. I mean, what kind of a telephone do you want? We have all kinds. You know, we have pink slimline types. We got a kind that fits over your head like a helmet. We got uh, all kinds of groovy telephones. And uh, what kind do you want? I said, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I never thought about it. I just thought I wanted a phone. And he said, well, we, we'll send out a salesman, and he'll show you the phones. I said, well, i got to have this phone this afternoon. I mean, if you can put it in, I mean, I'd like to talk to the salesman. But uh, just send the phone out. I don't care. He says, well, sir, of course, you realize then uh, that we take no responsibility. You're not giving us any, any direct information on what you actually want. So you want a telephone. Well, we will, we will install a line, but uh, you'll just have to uh, rely on our judgment then. Is that right? I said, well, now, I don't know about that. I'll tell you what I'd like. How about a black one? It's the black one? Apparently, that's very unusual today. I didn't realize that. Nobody buys black phones anymore. He said, that'll have to be a special order. I said, what? He says, well, we have the the Princess uh, Slimline. Comes in green, purple, avocado. Comes in burnt orange, sienna. He said, but, the, you know, the black phone is generally reserved for office use. I said, well, what? you mean i got to get a colored phone? He says, yes, that'll be 50 cents extra for the colored phone. I said, 50 cents extra for a colored phone. Now, you say that I have to put through a special order for a black phone. How much is that? He said, well, a special order is $5. Oh. I said, there's no way for me then to get just a phone. If I want a black one, that's an exotic order. If I want a red or pink one or a blue one or an avocado one, that's 50 cents extra. Extra for what? Extra on top of what? 
He's well, uh, sir, uh, I'll send out a salesman that's too complicated to discuss on the phone. Which, by the way, says something about the phone system right there. <laughs> Some things are so complicated you can't talk about. So I finally says, look, okay, how about sending me an avocado phone? I mean, you know, I kind of like avocados. I, I like avocados, a little mayonnaise, a little salt and pepper. It's kind of good, especially when they're ripe. And uh, he says, very good. That's a nice selection. That is one of our most popular phones. You want the Princess Avocado phone? Yes. And the address? I said, uh, blah, blah, blah. He says, okay. We will send you a Princess Avocado phone. Thank you very much, sir. He says, is there going to be somebody to let him in? I says, oh, yes, indeed. Uh, the landlord sits like a hawk. like a. In fact, that landlord sits like a damn vulture down there watching everything that every tenant does. He writes it down in a notebook. I don't know why. He'll be there. Watch for him. He's got these black glasses. He wears shades and a hearing aid. So at that point, I hung up. <laughs> well, you hear what happened. <laughs> so it just so happened I'm out of town for the next two days. See, well, I come back the next uh, couple of days and I wander into my apartment. You know, and it's nighttime. And, and I, at first, I didn't suspect. See, I wander in. It was, it was a real crummy little apartment. I might add that the apartment was roughly the size of about oh. Six or seven uh, New York phone booths laid end to end. Uh, and it was that shape. It was a long, skinny, one-room apartment. And it had at the end, it had what they call an efficiency, which is a sink built in the wall. That's uh, what it is. And <laughs> what a rotten apartment it was. And it was the only apartment I could get, see, over this summer. And so, you know, I, 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 I did it. I, I, I rented it. And you know what, the, what that apartment looked like? Did you did you remember this public service spot they had one time for fair housing or something, where this guy walks around and he drops a cigar butt in a John? He said, "Well, you better take it, buddy. They're going to be because a lot of people would like this place. Now you can do a lot with this house. You remember that one? Terrible looking apartment. So there I am, and I walk into my apartment, and I, I turn the light switch on, and uh, it was kind of lucky that night. It worked." And uh, I flipped the light switch on, and a couple of the lights go on like that. And at first, I didn't didn't look around. I put my bag down. I'd been out of town. And uh, I go back into the efficiency uh, because it had a little refrigerator. It's funny. You know, some apartments, I don't think they actually sell refrigerators like that. If you've ever moved into an apartment, it has a refrigerator about the size of a, well, about the size of a matchbox painted white. Have you ever seen those little tiny refrigerators? Oh, come on in. What are you talking about? This is a refrigerator you couldn't get your foot in. Yeah. In fact, you, a, a Coke bottle has to bend over double to get into it. <laughs> Makes little bitty ice cubes the size of aspirins. So, <laughs> nevertheless, I, <laughs> I go back there and see. And this was such a little refrigerator that all I could have was, was one bi one can of this beer. I had a little flat can. Cans are uh, great for that type of refrigerator. You can't get any bottle in there. So I had one can of beer. It was all it would hold, see. So I come back there, and I open the thing up, and I take out my can of beer, which, of course, emptied my entire refrigerator, except for the wilted lettuce that was always at the bottom of it. It had been left over from the previous tenant. I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to mess. You never know. He might come back and want it. He left it there. So uh, I take out my bottle of beer, <laughs> and I open a beer, Bob, shoo, you know, open a can of beer. I look around. I can't believe what I see. There on the wall is this magnificent avocado wall telephone on the wall. So I said, oh, by George, 
they put my phone in. Look at that. That's a that's a wall telephone. That's kind of great, you know. It looks great. It's right over the sink there, see. So uh, I said, I wonder if it works. So I I take the, you know how excited it is, you know, when you get your first phone, see. So I take it off and go, and it's got a dial tone, just like a real phone, see. So at that point, it had the the dial was inside the phone itself, see. So I I figured I'm gonna I'm gonna call my friend up, see. So I dial a number. And he comes on the phone. He says, yeah, hi. I says, hey, George, listen, I just got my new phone. And he said, oh, yeah? Congratulations. And I said, no, come on, please. I mean, let me have my little pleasure. I said, George, I just got my new phone. It's an avocado wall phone. And it looks great over it. It's the only thing that looks good in this whole apartment, this crappy, rotten, stinky hole I'm living in. And uh, it looks great. I'm going to sit here and just watch my phone hour after hour. It looks beautiful. I said, George, you do me a favor. He said, yeah, what? I said, I'll hang up, and you call me back. You'll make the first call on my phone. And he said, oh, well, all right, that's thrilling. I said, yes, it is. And he said, what's the number? So I look on the number, you know, 6SJ7GT. So I said, that's my new number, 6SJ7GT. He said, okay, hang up, and I'll dial. So I hung up the phone. I waited. I take a slug of beer. All of a sudden, the phone goes, ah, ah. But I can't believe it. It's ringing all around the apartment. Ah, ah, ah. I hear ringing coming from, from inside where the where the bed falls out on the wall. And it's ringing in the front there where I got my one little closet. Where I, It had a closet, a, a little skinny, narrow closet that had been a place where they used to store ironing boards. <laughs> it was the only closet in the whole damn house. I had one coat that I could hang in there. See? And it's ringing all over the place. So I pick up the phone. I says, hey, George, I can't figure it out. It's ringing all over the place there. He says, what do you mean? I says, well, the phone just rang, and it's ringing all over the apartment, not just at this phone. He says, well, you got an extension? I says, extension? Are you out of your mind? This is a one-room apartment. In fact, it takes a lot of optimism to call it a one-room apartment. I mean, you've ever seen those apartments listed as a one-and-a-half efficiency? Well, I've got the half. I don't know who got the room. i got the half. And he says, well, <laughs> you better look around, man. So he says, listen, I, I don't have time to mess around with you on the phone. I said, okay, George. So I go, I turn around, and then I see the Cincinnati Telephone Company and all of its beneficence had gotten the idea that what I wanted was three extensions. I had... I had telephones on all the walls. All avocado, I might add, and uh, very tastefully decorated. So at that point, I waited till the next day. See, I, I, I didn't want to call them at 3 in the morning, which it was at that time. So I called the business office. You know, in the front where it says business, you call them up. I called the business office, and this, this lady comes on the phone. Hello, this is the phone company, Mrs. Murphy speaking. I said, well, look, Mrs. Murphy, I have a very curious problem here. Yes? I said, well, the problem consists of this, Mrs. Murphy. Yes, please. Uh, excuse me one moment. I have a line. A call on the other line. Son of a gun. I waited about 20 minutes. I get this buzz. And then finally, it drops. You know what happens after about 20 minutes? It drops. It goes, Arr. I said, oh, for crying out loud. There goes nine message units, and I didn't even get it. So I dial her again. And again, who's on the phone? It's Mrs. Murphy. Now, I'll phone company business office. This is the trouble department. Mrs. Murphy speaking. I said, Mrs. Murphy, now, wait a minute. I just 
I just got you on the phone. Do you remember me? Uh, now, 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 wait a minute. Hold, don't, don't hang up. Hold on, hold on. Now, wait a minute. Hold it. Here's my problem. I ordered a phone here at my apartment, and when I came back to my apartment after being out of town two days, I arrived in the in the apartment, and I have three extension phones. I have three telephones here. Now I know that that's extra, right? Yes, uh, the extension telephone costs one dollar and seventy-five cents a month extra for the phone. Unless it is an avocado princess shareline phone, at which point it is four dollars and seventy-five cents extra per extension. Thank you very much. Uh, she's gone. I guess she thought I wanted to find out just how much it's going to cost me. See, so at that point I dialed again, and I get who do I get? Mrs. Murphy speaking. I said, well, Mrs. Murphy, wait a minute, hold it. This is the guy with the avocado phones. I have three extensions. Now, Mrs. Murphy, I did not order any extensions. I do not want an extension. Well, what do you expect me to do about it? I said, well, wait a minute. i tell you what I want you to do. You call up the billing department and tell them to come and take out two of the extensions. I have three phones in my apartment. It is a one-room apartment. Now, I can sit in the middle of the room and talk to all three phones at once. I do not need an extension. I don't know why they put on an extension. Thank you very much. I will take care of it. Hurry up. It's gone. Well, <laughs> I was all excited, you know. You know, Finally, I was going to get it all straightened out. I kind of liked the green one. I figured, well, what I'll do is keep the green one over the sink. Because uh, it added a little touch to that uh, efficiency place back there, which looked pretty shoddy, as a matter of fact. You know what that efficiency looked like? The back end of a jail cell. Yeah, it had, it had a little skinny window over the top there with bars on it, with gray. It looked out into an air shaft. It looked like the back end of a I can just see Gene Kelly escaping from that room. You know, standing on the sink and then tying all the, all the uh, bed sheets together. And then the next cell is Hume Cronin. And they're fighting in the underground in France. So, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, I, I, you know, I figure, well, when he comes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell him to leave it over the sink. Say, nothing. He doesn't come today. He doesn't come tomorrow. He doesn't come the third. I figure, well, what the heck? You know, what do I care? I got the phone. I've made my objection. Well, then what happened is the bill arrived, and I have billed for three extension phones. Well, I called up my friend again. See, and I said, before she could even open her mouth, I said, is Mrs. Murphy there? Hello, this is Mrs. Murphy speaking. I said, Mrs. Murphy, look, you remember me? I'm the guy with the extension phones. Yes, I do recall the case. I believe they were avocado. I said, yes, they are avocado. Now, Mrs. Murphy, would you please tell them in the billing department, I don't want to pay for three phones, and I, I want them to come out and take two of the extensions out. Now, I don't think it's fair for me to pay for all them extensions. Because I just don't want all those. I didn't ask them for those again. And they come and put them in uh, on their own. I said, they could have hung up 400 phones in here and charged me for them. They could put 1,000 phones. What am I going to do? And she said, I will take care of the problem. Thank you. Well, I go out for about an hour the next day to get myself some sliced salami because I was living right close to the best in those days, and I could not afford to eat in restaurants and stuff. So I went out to get myself 15 cents worth of very sliced, very thinly sliced salami, which I could put on some bread that I had I had stolen at a restaurant. When I went to restaurants, you know, they had bread pile up. I took the bread, see? So I'm making myself a sandwich. Well, I come back, 
after being out for an hour, and what do you think's happened? No phones. They've taken all my phones out. So I run down the street, I put a dime in the payphone, and I call up, guess who? Yeah, that's right. Mrs. Murphy speaking. I said, Mrs. Murphy, you have sent somebody out to take my phones out. I have just received orders from you personally, and I have it right here on my notebook, to remove the telephones from your apartment. Now, if you wish those telephones to be reinstalled, there will be a $30 charge. Oh, my God. I hung up. Well, to make a long story boring and short, and a boil it down to the mulligatawny stew that it was. That was one of the most peaceful summers I ever spent. I never got a phone. I just gave it all up. And you know, I discovered how easy it is to get by without a phone. It's amazing. You don't get all those crank calls. You don't get all those guys saying, Hello, sir, I represent the Acme Life Insurance Company and Storm Window Organization. And we have your name as a man. No, I don't want storm windows. I used to get calls saying, You have won a $5 certificate at the Tango Dance Studios. I do not want to take tango lessons. Once in a while, I get a call from one of my friends calling up from downtown to ask me if I can quick get $200 to bail him out which actually happened to me. <laughs> you ever gone down to bail a friend out? You haven't lived a very rich life, Al. In fact, I got down there with the $200 to bail my friend out, and I damn near wound up in jail myself. I looked like somebody they were looking for. <laughs> that actually happened. So, sir, would you go over there with Sergeant Mulligatawny there for a minute? Wait in that room over there. Next thing you know, you know, they they came so close to put the cuffs on me, I couldn't figure out what's going on. But uh, so I got by without a phone. Incidentally, uh, Mrs. Murphy kept sending me bills for the phone that I did have for a day and a half, including the three extensions. I don't know whatever happened with that. Well, they'll trail you to the ends of the earth. Oh yeah, you try to take out a phone in Pro Provo, Utah. And they'll tell you, you owe that phone company back in Cincinnati. I mean, trying to get all those extensions and then not wanting to pay for them. And then on top of that, ordering avocado, which is a special color. And, oh, you know. Mrs. Murphy speaking. At your service. Yeah. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.